LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, and I'm here with two co-hosts today. I guess kind of a co-host. It's been a while. We made fun of him with Carrie Newoff, maybe a time or two. Oh, that's right. It is true. And then I texted them uh, random gifts that I made. Maybe. It was Brad Lominick. Boom! DJing outside. He's back, baby. Of a Lifeway store <laughs> Dan- offering. Daniel Harry now has you just. Book. Daniel has no he hearing was anymore. Destroyed my ears. Right He's there. Got, everybody, everybody, just turn their volume down. <laughs> I'm back, people. I'm back. I'm in the house. I'm in the building. I'm in this. I'm in the seat here, ready to roll. Well, half of you is. So listen, I listened. Listen, I listened to that <laughs> episode with Carrie Newhoff. I was on a run, and I kind of got like both chuckled i kind of got it was funny yeah. ha, 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 but i was uh, i was also like what about your old buddy over here i'm out here running and you guys are talking about me and i haven't been on in a while so well here we go well, i'm back can i go ahead and answer, ask the first question not yet not yet why not because we do need to tell our listeners that oh. you got to check out some of our other podcasts oh, okay. on the lifeway leadership podcast network and here's a brand new uh brand new thing if you want an easy way to do that on your podcasting app, especially if you have Apple on the Apple podcasting one, just hit the name Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. That's under our title, and you'll see all the other podcasts that are a part of our network. Otherwise, you can go to leadership.lifeway.com slash podcast and we'd uh, the various and sundry podcasts. <laughs> we sundry. won't tell you which ones are sundry. <laughs> it's a there. mystery. You're basically the gimlet of the Christian leadership space. Yeah. Is it Gimlet or Jimlet? I'm just kidding. It's Gimlet. I for know sure. it's, gimlet. it's not Gimlet. I just think that it would but be But it is GIF, so. Gimlet and GIF versus <laughs> GIF. All right. Okay, do it. What's the first question? All right. Um, I was it's very really excited when we were coming up with these questions yesterday because I was like, Daniel, we need to ask Brad how he went from looking like Uncle Fester to Vin Diesel. <laughs> and if you don't believe me that Brad once looked like Uncle oh, Fester. Gosh. Just go to his Twitter feed because the banner image above his Twitter feed still shows him as Uncle Fester. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, yeah. <laughs> if you click, if you not click, if you scroll down a mm. few images, you'll see new Brad. Right. <clears throat> looking svelte. Yeah, Vin Diesel Brad. Vin yeah. Diesel Brad. I yeah. think you were flexing during that interview, weren't you? I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I actually prefer Jason Statham uh, to Vin Diesel. Because Jason Statham has he has that sense of he's kind of hiding behind the the he's hiding behind in the corner and he just comes out and you know punches you in the throat. Where Vin Diesel's sort of this big big personality, yeah. but we we can go with either. Yeah. So is the question? And do you also how, do you also like Jason because of his accent? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. He just he's the guy that always you know he can he's he's very uh, multifaceted in his roles that he plays in movies. So. Would you so, like for me to answer how I got from... I do from, really want you to answer because... It's I, been a lifestyle change, guys. Lifestyle change. So 2014, decided to start walking. I was out of shape. Hmm. Weighed about 250. Overweight. Lots of reasons why. And what wasn't focusing in on putting the rocks in first of health, personal health. So I just made, a, made an adjustment and said, this has got to be... This has got to be a priority. Started walking, then started running. Now I run, I try to run in between 50 and 60 miles a week now. Wow. Which is a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. 
and the calorie count, just for all of you who are who are dietitians and or you're interested in potentially changing your lifestyle habits around food, the key for me, this is not true for everybody, but the key for me was calorie count. Mm. If Don't worry about I didn't worry about anything else other than I wanted to hit 1,500 calories per day net. So if I burned, true burn, not just because I'm living, but yeah. true burn, exercise burned 1,000 calories, then I could eat 2,500 mm. calories for a net of 1,500 per day. And if you're hitting 1,500, you're going to lose weight. Yeah, sure. If you're hitting 2,000, you're going to maintain. Mm. But a lot of people, they try to get into an exercise regimen, running, elliptical, weights, CrossFit, whatever, but they don't change their eating habits. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, that's the number that's one the thing you want to do after that's you have key. a good workout, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sure. And you justify that. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't cut out certain foods. I just tried to be uh, more, I tried to be smarter about it, but I'm a chips and salsa guy. So great, Brad, if you want to eat, 2,000 calories worth of chips and salsa at Chili's for lunch. Okay, you can still do that, but you know what? You're done for the day. <laughs> You're yeah, the day. <laughs> You're out. Okay, so what's your dinner going to look like today then? Because we had Middle Eastern. Oh, yeah. We yeah. had fatouche. Uh, fatouche so we, with that baklava was, for that was probably dessert. That was yeah. that was probably a 900 calorie consumption there. Mm. So had some cereal this morning. That was probably 600, 550 to 600. We might have hit 1,000 because I didn't have as much of the hummus as you guys did. Yeah. Um, Why'd you point to me? Why'd well, you point to me? Because you were pounding the hummus. <laughs> oh, dude. But yeah. I'm I'm 1,500 calories in today. Yeah. So I've got, you know, 500 for dinner, but I'm also going to run later. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so I'll probably do, pretty I'll probably do some kind of Chipotle bowl. Cool. Uh, no no guac, no sour cream, no chips. You know, that's the key. That's, that's the kind of changes you got to wow. put in place. So, okay. Two questions then. What caused you to make that decision? Because a lot of times, I mean, we'll all look ourselves in the mirror and there'll be days we'll be like, oh, I better lose some pounds. But then a week goes by and you just forget about it. Yeah. Right. So what caused you to make that change? And and number two, how do you stick with it? The sticking with it's the hardest part. Yeah. But that's why I'm saying it's a lifestyle now. It's not a rule. It's an identity piece. Okay. So my identity is now is, is not built around this, that I have a different look. But more that from the inside out, I said I wanted to pursue health, mm. spiritual health, physical health, emotional health. This was all around stepping out of Catalyst, leading Catalyst. So all those things combined together. Oh, so that's what ca- that, that's what that was a big part of it. Yeah, okay. Was was you, you're going through a transition, so you might as well work on the entire Brad, mm. not just dealing with Catalyst Brad or you know moving into that season of consulting Brad. So. That was the biggest reason, um, but the man that the difference between a mindset that says I'm going to put a rule in place that says I can't eat this food compared to an identity adjustment yeah. that says now I'm I'm walking in with a mindset and a habit that my lifestyle is different. Those are two different things. So based on my identity now, I don't have to struggle with the rule of saying what can you. What can you and yeah. can, okay. can't you eat? I was actually, uh, last night on the way from home, home from uh, Lifeway, I was talking to a pastor, and we were talking about some things that were interesting. Uh, but basically, <laughs> sorry, I can't go too far. But uh, I talked about, you know, habits, and that, you know, for better or for worse, we are our habits. No question. So you can you can try to compartmentalize yourself and say, oh, I just have a bad habit. No, that's part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, whether you're looking at that from a personal perspective or you're looking at it from a cultural perspective in your church, um, the habits that you have as a collective organization, what's your organizational habit, uh, what's your personal habit, that is who you really are. You can't can't really deny that. Yep. Yeah. Two days ago, I had almost two days in a row that I wasn't able to run or elliptical machine or work out with weights or something. Two days in a row, and my body was screaming at me, hmm. saying, this is not right. Compared to the old Brad, fat Brad. Fat Brad is dead. Fester, this Uncle is Fester. Right. It was just the opposite. If, if I went and worked out or ran, it was like, this is not right. Yeah. <laughs> this is not right. So, so how long did it take you to get to that point? It was probably 18 months of consistency where wow. then you get into a routine where you crave it. Okay. There, there's a natural craving for, for some type of, of exercise where you're releasing all the bad you know, toxicity in your body. I mean, there's all kinds of scientific yeah. things behind this that I don't know how to talk about, but... Um, it was a while though. It, yeah. it took me a while. And most of us, we get to the point right before we, we establish that and yeah. we quit. Okay. Okay. Did you do any rewards, self-rewarding, anything no. like that? I'm not motivated by that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, no. all right. Not that I'm better, but we need to get into like actually. No, that was, that was actually a was question. Actually it was one of our question, five questions. And I, you know, that was, is it just because you're feeling convicted? No, it's <laughs> because I want you to get into the real <laughs> questions that we, other questions that we came up with. Okay, that was a real inquiring question. wines want to know about. Yes. They want to know, we're wanting to talk about some young leader stuff. Yeah, okay, all right, all right. So Fair enough, fair question. enough. Okay, so second question, Brad, and for those of you who haven't been on his site, bradlominick.com, you Don't will go there. Have, <laughs> don't go there, people. I only post like once a month now. Well, so but what you post is what I want to direct our listeners yes. to. It yes. is the young influencer list. <laughs> Gold, Right, <Jerry>. so... <laughs> <laughs> Gold, Jerry. You know uh, what? We just need to let Daniel leave. We would have a lot of fun. Yeah, that's like that's remember right. the old days where we were just free and unfettered, and we would just go well. That was like there were seven minutes. people listening back when you and I kind of oh, launched this thing. Maybe not. <laughs> okay, so you've been watching young leaders for decades. Yes. So what should we know about the difference about millennial versus Gen Z leaders? Well, how long do we have? Because we could dive deep into this rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, cause, for because a lot of times, yeah, because for hours. And and just as a caveat, a lot of times we think uh, young leaders and we think millennials, but Gen Z, yeah, they're totally are, different. Yeah, and gen, and just to to define it, millennials would be now those who have kids. So they're now the the leaders who, looking back, and are a lot of Gen Z are calling them old. Yeah, and you know, there's right on the border, there's some millennials that actually have kids who are Gen Z, mm. or I'm sorry, all their kids would be Gen Z, but they're actually some of the older Gen Z now, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, oh, that is. But basically Gen Z is those who were born 1996 and on. So now they're, they're 22. They're walking in as the next wave. I mean, literally this year, they're walking into career environments if they're graduating from college. Yeah. We so hired Gen a Gen Z on our team. We yeah. <laughs> as an organization hired five Gen Zs from our internship program last year. And by the way, if you are diesel and you have to be diesel, you have to be strong because there's going to be a thousand plus other people apply. But do check out our, which we'll put it in the show notes. Um, we bring in about 30 interns every year. And some of those eventually, or some of those hmm. get hired. I mean, there's Higher two people saying. on my team. Yeah, I love Gen Z. Love them and younger millennials. I'm not going to say anything about older millennials. So millennials would be Why 38. Why would you say anything about older millennials? 
Because, man, I haven't had a, a great time with those guys. You know, I'm an older and, millennial. And I get... <laughs> you are. I get... No, you're close enough to a Gen Xer that we get along. Okay. <laughs> the the in-between, that, like, heart of millennials, man, like, it just takes so much development. And you hear me say, everybody should be development. Everybody should be developed. I feel like the Gen Z people, and you're the... I, we asked Brad this question, not me. Oh, but you asked it's me fine. my opinion. We're all we're all having a conversation around it. So I would say the younger millennials and older Gen Zs, what you would typically see from a Myers Briggs like profile of an ENTJ as an example, that guy should be a young lion. Yet it's like they are incredibly good at what they do and they're they're the the perfect H three leader. Not to mention a great book. Um, they're hungry. They're they're usually humble, and they are ready to go. They're ready to hustle. Mm. Whereas some of the middle ground millennials, I haven't had a great experience. with. Which would honestly. be Daniel. So you're basically saying with no, Daniel, you haven't older, had a great experience. He's older. He's virtually. Oh, sorry. You're how old, Daniel? I'm 33. Yeah. So you're actually you're on the upper end, but I mean. Yeah. The oldest millennials now are 38, 39. Mm-hmm. They're almost mm-hmm. about to be 40. So you have this gap then, you know, the, the in essence, late 30s to early 20s is millennials, and then 22 and younger is now Gen Z. And Gen Z is actually reflecting a lot of what the boomers. Oh, really? So there's all this new stuff yeah. coming out that fascinating. the skip, and some, some would say X too, but the, there's there's these interesting skips generationally where, you know, two generations ahead, now you start seeing that reflected Partly because grandparents have such a massive influence on, you know, the next, next generation. But just to answer your question, Gen Z are, they're the, one of the biggest differences between them and millennials is millennials would say, I'm awesome. Like that would kind of be the, if you put a stereotype on a millennial, it's their personal message is, is I'm awesome. Right. And Gen Z would say my personal message is I'm organic or I'm Hmm. fluid. And it goes a lot with the reality that their world is now going to be so much made up of, of projects and the the opportunities to do lots of different things. Yeah. They're 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 ambidextrous as it relates to technology because they're the first generation truly Gen Z is that has grown up with digital expression yeah, as fully. part from from birth now to existence. Where millennials they had it early, but they didn't right. have it as a child. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, Gen Z is risk averse. Where Gen, where millennials were risk aggressive, they were willing to jump in and try it, and sort of failure was part of what they saw as the expectation. Gen Z is risk averse, and they're they're scared to death of failure. And are they risk averse because they because of might all the things seen, they've seen happen? Okay, so with you their think millennial, of, you think of the similar. Gen Z, the average Gen Z has walked through recession as a child, yeah, and then their early years, they've gone, they've dealt with terrorism. They've dealt with an economy that's, you know, you know, up and down. Everything in their world has been, it pushes them to be more conservative Yeah. in general. Where again, their siblings who are millennials were in an environment where it was the, it was the go, go, go right. generation. You know, it was like, I'm awesome. I can do anything. I'm going to try anything. So one of the things with Gen Z is that they don't naturally automatically show up and have that same posture that says, I'm going to be willing to take risk. And we right. have to push them out in many ways uh, into things that they may not 
be willing to jump into. So mm-hmm. about a year, mm-hmm. year and a half ago, we had um, Dr. Twingy? Twingy? Yes, Gene. Yeah, Gene. Gene. Um, Twingy? Yeah. yeah. She wrote the iGen, yes, iGeneration. Great book. Uh, and so it was fascinating for me because that was the first time that I'd really heard somebody dig deep into, you know, research and things like that. But the, so like, you know, teenagers and sex. Yeah. Teenagers and getting your driver's license. Yes. There were all these things that, you know, you would never in a bajillion years guess how uh, averse a generation was to some of that, some of those yeah. things. And there's, it's, what's interesting is there are some pretty big gaps between, again, the millennial who, a lot of us just we we th- lump them all together, as you mm-hmm. said, Daniel. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they're all young, yeah. So it's all the same. They're all millennials. Wrong answer. Yeah. You know, there is a millennial, there is Gen Z, um, and there's some crossover. You know, but but millennials, millennials are dealing with tons of student debt. That's that's one of the biggest things with millennial generation is that there's massive debt that's that's suffocating them. Gen Z is way more willing to look at options when it comes mm-hmm. to education. And say, I don't want to go into debt like my older brother or sister did. I don't want to have fifty thousand dollars sitting on the the balance sheet that I have to pay back. So, you're seeing a whole new wave of, I'm going to take a gap year. I'm not even going to go to college. I'm going to look for alternate education. I'm going to I'm go wa- to community college. I'm willing to do way around. cheaper just to get my degree. I'm willing to do a residency, an internship. Yeah, because that was. I mean, I'm an older millennial, and that was never an option. Right. Like you were like, you had don't, to. Yeah. You don't go to community college. You don't do <laughs> trades. You know, I mean, you look, it's like because you're not good enough, you know, that's why. Now, yeah, you could go get an arts degree. Hey, that's better than getting a trade. You know, that that was the perception. Yeah. Right. And, and Gen, we'll, yeah. Gen Z is working around the system. That's yeah, a, that's, that's one good. way to describe it. I've heard Tim mm-hmm. Elmore say that. They're, they're working around the system compared to, you know, the, the millennial generation in many ways. They were still looking at the system and saying, I'm kind of rebelling against it, but I'm still going to have to navigate through it. Yeah. Gen Z is saying, I can create my own system. Yeah. Another, I, don't, I don't need you. Another nuance I, I discovered about millennials are those who graduated university before 2008 and after 2008. Yes. And if you look at this past recession, but also previous recessions, anyone that graduates and is entering the workforce around a recession, uh, they always actually have the hardest time paying back their debt uh, because now they're, they're, you know, if you graduated before the recession, you got a job. Yes. If you graduated during or after, you got an internship. You didn't <laughs> right. get the job. And maybe you got a job after, but now you're competing with other millennials, Gen Xers, boomers with a lot more experience than you. Still to be determined what the what the posture of Gen Z is going to be as it relates to career entrance mm-hmm. and how they enter the workforce because, you know, they're just now entering. Yeah. Um, so that one's TBD, but I think it's going to be different. It's going to look different than millennials did. That's good. That's good. Okay, Brad. So you and I both, we've talked about this actually before on the podcast, but you, but I want to ask this in a different way. You personally know people who've been shot out of the saddle. So we're both in our early forties. Meaning uh, they were shot with a gun out of the saddle and they were knocked out of the saddle well, you did work on a ranch. Yeah. No, so I'm with I mean, you. I'm just helping the people actually understand the the analogy. The analogy. Yeah. Uh, that means leaders that were uh, in their prime, so to speak. And removed from their position. And removed from their position. <laughs> because they ate first seemingly and not last. Yeah. <laughs> shot out of the saddle. Yes. So uh, 
did you notice any patterns in their lives? And when you interacted with them in green rooms and environments, like looking back, because we've known a lot now that have. Sure. um, Both our age and older and our age and younger. Yeah. And so you've interacted with a lot of those leaders that people would know. And I'm not asking you to name names or anything, but I am asking you to name, are there some patterns that you've seen when you've interacted with them that, that we could learn from? I think a big pattern is that they are not interested. They're trying to be interesting, meaning wow. that when they walk into That's good. an environment like a green room, they're not asking questions. They're they're not curious. They are not. Um, they don't have a posture that says, um, "I'm I'm I may be the number one reason everybody's here, but I'm still walking around like the hungry second. Right. So they, there's an expectation with some of those that would come to mind that they were always kind of waiting on people to, you know, hey, can I get a minute with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a few questions for you. And they, and they almost had their defense up of, well, I have people now who protect me from that and protect me from you because you're interested in, in you know, what I might have to offer you mm-hmm. as a young leader or just somebody. And when those guards start going up, it's it's danger zone, and not that not that that's not needed for some people, but when you lose the posture that says I'm walking into every room with my moleskin out, literally and figuratively, I think that's a big warning sign. What do you think triggers that, or or causes that? Shift uh, well, some life? of it is some of it's just true arrogance in the yeah. sense that you've now you're now believing the hype mm. that you are the that you do have the answers. Mm. Um, I think a lot of it's insecurity that you hope nobody finds out that you don't really know as much as you think you do. Okay. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. Mm. Uh, That's a big one. So you you feel like you've got to now parallel or congruent your worlds of the, the, you know, the platform you have with then the reality that you kind of walk in in your deepest, dark places going, gosh, I'm not sure I can actually... Mm deliver on that expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, a big one. I, we can go into others, but yeah, I mean, yeah, for me, yeah, that, yeah. that one, that one tends to that's, that's show up quite good. a bit. I mean, if we can just, if, if we can just grasp that. I think I, I think I told the story real quick. I think I told the story maybe on this podcast, but when Chuck Swindoll walked in at Catalyst 10 years ago mm. to the event in Atlanta, he had been invited by us, um, he was given a Lifetime Achievement Award, hero of mine, growing up listening to his radio show and right. big impact on me personally. But he walked in, in the arena in Atlanta, and not knowing we were watching, I was watching. When he walked in, his wife's with him, nobody else. He's Chuck Swindoll. There's no yeah. entourage. There's no you know people. Walks in and all the show pro people who are the people in the yellow jackets who work the arena security, et cetera. Right. They're all, t- a lot of them tend to be older because they're retired. Right. They they all chose that week because they saw Chuck Swindoll was going to oh, be totally. there speaking. So they're kind of lined up. Yeah. When he's, they know he's going to be there. They're kind of lined up and they're wanting to, you know, say hi to him. And every single one of those people, show pro people, they're the people nobody notices. Everybody tends to think of them a distraction. So we couldn't get Swindoll to actually he was about to speak. We're like, Chuck, um, 
it's time. Yeah. He was so dialed in on the show pro people. Oh, that's awesome. Right. And it was such a lesson for me of that's really cool. You know what? You're the biggest deal here. Yeah. But yet you walked in and you were interested mm. in the story of Joe back there who's 72 and listened to you growing up all his life. That's the kind of leader I want to be when I'm in my 60s and 70s that I'm still walking around like, man, thank you for showing interest in me and compared to I'm walking in and I'm the big deal. Hmm. That's good. That is really good. So less, how did you put it again? Less concerned about being... Less concerned about being interesting. Yeah. And way more of a mindset that I'm interested. Yeah, I love that. I love that. All right. I wish we could camp out there, but we have a couple more questions left. Uh, The next one is you started Catalyst. And if, um, I mean, Catalyst... I was part of starting Catalyst. Okay, yeah, you're, you're part of starting Catalyst. And, uh, I mean, that's that was how many years ago? It was 19 years ago. Wow. Coming up on the 20th anniversary, which means <laughs> that we're all old now. <laughs> because originally... People, people we can't get listen, in. We can't get in people anymore. People that listen know I was at the first Catalyst, Brent, yeah. and I've had this conversation many that's times. Right. I want us to have a reunion. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. Because originally you had to be under 40, yep. under yeah, that 30? Was, that was the, you, were you had to be under 40. Okay, under like 40. Like when you signed up, you yeah. had to say. Yeah. 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 It, it was legit. Yeah. And in its heyday, I mean, Catalyst was the biggest leadership conference going on. And it, it's uh, still yeah. one of the yeah, bigger yeah. ones for yeah. sure. So, yeah. But, but yeah. what's changed, um, you know, close to 20 years later? What's changed in the in conference, conference space? space? Yeah. Uh, it's definitely more niche now. Uh, when when Catalyst started, if you wanted to hear John Maxwell and Andy Stanley and Louis Giglio and Francis and Irwin, et cetera, you had to go to these things. Mm. You didn't. You weren't able to podcast them or to access that them was digitally. YouTube, right? Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Twenty years. That's but before yeah. you. The only place you could get that kind of content was actually showing up in a location for a certain time. Nowadays, you know, that's a commodity now. So mm. um, that's a big big, huge shift. The other shift is that there's so many niche or topical gatherings, Mm. pipeline being one, you know, drive conference being one, um, inside elevation being one, uh, Acts 29 being one, Mm. art conference being one, exponential. I mean, we could just go on and on. Like all these things have been birthed in the last 20 years where if I'm wanting to learn about how this organization does this, I'm going to be way more interested in going to that. Yeah. Where when Catalyst started, if you were a younger leader, that was sort of one of your few options. So and now so, there's lots. So as a listener then, I mean, there's on YouTube, online, sure. Ministry Grid, podcasts. I mean, you could get content everywhere. And no anywhere. excuse so, anymore. Yeah. So how do I as a leader then choose which conference to go to? Because I, I mean, we still heavily believe in the importance and the value of Absolutely. of those com- of conferences yeah. but you can't go to all of them no so how do you decide well a lot of it is it comes back to what are you being asked to do i mean what's the skill or the the practical piece that you really want to walk away from or walk away with from a conference and you know the thing that something like catalyst provides is it provides in many I would say the biggest thing it provides is it provides an opportunity for the whole team to go and be inspired and have a shared experience together. Yeah. But if, if you want to learn about, hey, how does, how does that church or that leader do children's ministry? Mm. Well, you're not going to get that at Catalyst. So you might want to go to a, a conference around kids ministry. You might want to go to a church. And the, the great thing today is you can just call that person. 
Yeah. I mean, just call them. So you're like, hey, I'm a student pastor. I, who are the student pastors you're watching that you pay attention to that have influential student ministries? Call them up. Mm. You know what they're going to be? You know what they're going to say? They're going to say, wow, like, you know, you actually know that we're doing something significant over here. That's yeah. cool. And just pick their brain. You know, the accessibility is also the reason that things have changed. Because mm. nowadays, I feel like I can get access to anybody. Right. Through through social media, through digital, through all kinds of ways. You know, so the fact that there was a there was a bridge that we had to cross that was pretty big in the early days of Catalyst, of if I want to hang out with Andy Stanley, you know, again, that's might be the only spot I can hear from him. Yeah. Um, okay. But nowadays all that is shortened. Mm. You know, so if you're if you're intentional today, you can learn in a lot of different categories. That's good. That's really good. So good. All right. Uh, H3, I already remember, Hungry, Humble, Hustle. Actually, it's Humble, Hungry, Hustle. But it's been out for a while. That's Brad's book, and it's a great book. When you say hustle, because I hear you say hustle a lot on yeah. other podcasts and other yeah. things. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. I'm stalking you. Yeah. I follow you everywhere you go. What Dude, does it actually That sounds really creepy. It's weird. <laughs> that is so weird. By the way, it's Halloween today, guys. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy Fall Festival. Happy, Happy Fall Reformation Festival. At the, at the time of this recording. Yeah. Yeah. Fall bash. <laughs> Fall bash. That's what we're doing. Trunk or treat. Uh, when you say hustle, what does that actually mean and what's it look like? Because, you know, words do build worlds. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times people will think, oh, I know what hustle, I know what Brad means when he says hustle. And I don't know that the average person really yeah. knows. Well, hustle is the, hustle is the outlet for your, for, for your humility and your hunger. So the expression of humility and hunger is actually hustle. Hustle, I would say, is simply mm. this, that you're willing to work hard or you're willing to be intentional about moving the needle in all the areas of your life. So one of the areas of hustle is obviously hard work. Not that you redline your life into toxicity or moral failure or mm. getting shot out of the cannon or <laughs> shot out of the saddle. <laughs> Boom. Hey, we're not talking about catalyst. Right. Anymore. Sorry. Yeah, yeah the, the cannon guy. <laughs> but but you are in certain seasons willing to willing to work hard. Um but, you know, are you also willing to rest and have margin in equal fashion to your to your hustle in your work life or your vocational life or you're getting your side hustle on or you're doing your gig economy project? Equal amounts of generosity, margin, um, collaboration have to go into your hustle. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're hustling in all the areas of life. And, you know, again, for me, so much of the hustle posture is one that says, I, I haven't arrived yet and I'm still going to work like I'm still trying to get to the top, mm. even if I am. Mm. And that's a lifelong pursuit. You know, yeah, that's, that's a lifelong pursuit of, of achieving the things that you want to achieve. So you, you have to, you, you can't just look at it and go, I'm getting all mine because that's hustling. That's, that's a hustler. Mm-hmm. Which hmm. you know, Gary V. I love Gary V. And he talks a lot about hustle. But I'm, you know, sort of my contrast to Gary V. In terms of the way I define hustle would be, yeah. But Gary, what about rest? Yeah. <laughs> what about margin? What about Sabbath? Mm. What about rhythm of life? Are you hustling at being generous and again collaborative and making other people the center of the story? So your hustle can't just be about you. If it's only about you, then that's not the proper definition of hustle. It has to be about making other people the center of the story 
And if you if you raise up others, if you elevate others through your hustle, then I think that's that's a good description of what we're trying to get to. That's good. That's good. Every day I'm hustling. <laughs> Every day I'm hustling, hustling, hustling. All right. Well, if you haven't yet read Brad's book, H3 Leadership, you should pick up a copy of that. But also, if you text leadership to triple eight triple one, you'll be entered into a book giveaway. Come on. And we're going to be doing, and you'll be able to download an ebook right away. So that's leadership. You can text that word to triple eight triple one. Can I win as well? Because I need a few new copies of H3. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm out. I'm out. Can you, can you, yeah. can I get in on that? Okay, good. All right. And before we turn things off, be sure to check out Group Answers. It's a podcast hosted by Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel to resource, train, and encourage small group leaders. I so think they offer resources. Yeah, resources or resources. Resources. <laughs> so you can just in your podcasting app look up Group Answers, or if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can hit the link Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network and find it right there. <laughs>